Hello, I'm Rebecca, the founder of Trio, and welcome to Pep Talks with Trio. Trio is the leading solution for workplaces to support their people during every life transition from starting a family to retiring and every life event in between. On Pep Talks with Trio, we chat to our expert partners for advice on how to best navigate these common, complex and often messy life stages that happen during our working career. Keep listening as we connect the dots between life and work with the simple aim of education and empowerment. After all, life happens at work. Today on Pep Talks with Trio, we're speaking with Natalie Yanchatonsky. Nat is a midlife transition specialist for women, DEI innovation consultant, and an author of the book, The Art of Full-Time Living, which I have a beautiful copy here. We're going to be discussing how to live a full, meaningful life, what it means to be in midlife transition, and the importance of social connection. Nat, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on this pep show. Thank you for being here. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Um, So I love the work that I do. I work with women who are going through midlife transition and I will work with women on multiple levels, whether it's running discussion circles around various different topics that I talk about in my book. Say, for example, the five key ingredients, which are to have purpose, social connections, vitality, lifelong learning and wealth. Um, And I also run vision workshops where I use Lego series play as a technique to really tap into people's creative and playful problem solving in order to come up with kind of the non-obvious answers that might already be in them, but it just needs to be extracted from them in a different way. Um, And then I also work with corporate clients. So generally it will be a business leader who is really trying to refine the value proposition to their employees who are midlife women and older who are part of their staff or it might be organizations that are trying to target that same segment from a product innovation point of view so my background is in product innovation and strategy and I've worked with lots of different sectors different organizations and um, and I guess how I've really gravitated towards this space is I've seen the need around this whole longevity economy and seeing that women don't necessarily have new models to look at that are really inspiring and uplifting and the goal isn't necessarily to retire because uh, I've seen so much research into the health benefits of doing retirement differently from a longevity point of view because we are living longer health span is longer and but then at the same time in Australia we have the gender pay gap we also have the super gap by the time people should be retiring according to old models so a lot of these things are outdated we don't have systems and new ways of looking at how to support employees and how people can thrive in the second half of life. So I feel like um, given all the research I've done over the last five years into longevity and visiting some of the blue zones where people live longer, happier lives Mm -hmm. and doing one-on-one interviews with women who are midlife and older to really uncover 
where are the opportunities and what are the regrets that women who are older than me have had that they didn't do when they were much younger and um, that has led me to write my book to really capture the stories of many different women who have redefined themselves, their identity after children have left home and after menopause and reshaped how they use their skills and and give back, um, whether it's paid work or volunteering, mentoring. There's so many different ways to repurpose what you've got to offer and feel confident and also be supported by the people around you, whether it's your family, partner, um, friends, so important, so much research around the benefits of social connections and community. But all that takes time and that's time that people often don't have in the first half of their lives. So it's actually getting women to think this is really important, those friendships it's really important to nurture the ones that you've had from school and uni and work, but also finding new connections that may not necessarily be from historical circumstances, but actually uh, really help you thrive and help you keep growing and learning and finding new opportunities. And it doesn't always have to be just about paid work or the next project. So before we delve in, because you said at the very beginning around the five key ingredients. So before we delve into that, just for any listeners who are unsure, what is classified as a midlife transition? What is that? An age? Is it a phase? Is it sort of when women hit menopause? Like where? What does that look like? Yeah, all of that intersects. So I would consider midlife transition to be a period of your life when you're experiencing some major life events. And for everyone, it's going to be different. So last night when I was running a a book discussion circle, there were 10 women and each of them opened up with where they were at in their transition. And they all used the words, I'm at a transition point in my life. But what that meant for each woman was different. So one person talked about being right in the midst of menopause and um, another, uh, quite a few actually are in the midst of major job changes. So um, whether it's leaving a corporate job and then venturing into their own startup or joining a very different type of organisation, like more of a not-for-profit, so doing more meaningful work but still using their, their life skills. But that's still quite different from where they might have been at. Um, others, it was more about have already had made that big career change but then trying to de- redesign their lifestyle. So looking at what new hobbies and like learning projects that they can take up and like they're looking for things like book clubs and trying to find a new circle of friends to surround themselves by and and be stimulated by new things and different learning projects. So for each person, it's going to be different. And also that age is different because it depends on, well, how old are their parents now? So let's say they're having to care for aging parents. Look, it looks like it depends on how old, their parents were when they had them and if they've had children how old did they give birth to usually the youngest child that's often a trigger point when that youngest child becomes independent yeah. like leaving home or leaving school is a real turning point for a lot of mothers yeah, and um yeah because they're rethinking 
well, I don't necessarily need the same sort of flexibility that I required a few years ago when my child was growing up and dependent on me to do school pickups. It's um, so, yeah, it may well be leaning into a much bigger, potentially more stressful job uh, that's more of a leadership role or it could be more about just completely shifting the the nature of the work and going to a different industry so it's going to be different for everyone and that's the key that the older we get um, our life experiences really vary and we become different what we're looking for in life is different as well and as as well as career choices um, so it, it's it's a bit of environmental, it's a bit of physical in terms of where we're at with menopause. Not like we get to a certain age and suddenly where it's like, boom, that's where you're at and this is now what you're, you need to be considering. Yeah, it, it's it's really kind of where you think that you're going and, you know, maybe for some people they don't have that major transition because they've set themselves up really well and it was very well designed or they've got the right environment and right people around them where they are naturally ready to keep evolving and keep transitioning as if it's just part of life, which in many ways that, that is life. Transitioning is life from the beginning. Absolutely. Now, I know you talk um, in your book and you've mentioned the five key ingredients what does what are your five key ingredients? Five key ingredients are living a life of purpose. So I know that word has been used a lot recently. There's been many books that have been written about it, but it's actually really hard to connect with that at midlife because sometimes it's something that maybe we put it aside um, for other things it didn't necessarily serve us to be really deeply engaged and bring that to the surface in our day-to-day lives. So the reason why I think it's really important to call that out as being one of the top five key ingredients to be considering when you're going through a midlife change as a woman is really having that front and front and centre of everything else around that redesign of your life to make it meaningful to you. And it's going to be different for everyone and it might not be just one thing. So, it, you know, it's what will get you out of bed, as the Japanese said, because it is a Japanese word, getting out of bed. And um, it's it's what gives you joy, that energises you and whether that's types of people around you or activities or a feeling um, or a state of being or being in a place that's going to be different for everyone. Um, And I guess it's a matter of also looking back at those phases in our lives when we felt we had it and thinking what was it about that phase that made us feel really purposeful and valued and were able to really live our best life. So that's how I see the first one around having a sense of purpose as a key ingredient. But very much interconnected is social connections. Connections are what enable us to connect with our sense of purpose. So even though it feels like having a sense of purpose is very personal, yes, it is, but how you bring it to life is really going to depend on who you choose to have in your life, who are close to you, whether it's a partner or close friends um, or colleagues who you do your best work with. Um, It's 
the people who help you grow and support you during those really tough times, which usually come up during times of major life transition. Um, And there's so much longevity research that shows that if you've got those connections in your life, that you're going to have a longer life expectancy, like in the blue zones, and also the quality of life in the second half is going to be higher. So a lot long, a shorter um, risk of like smaller risks of chronic disease and mental well-being is going to be a lot more positive when that you have that in place. But we also know that it takes a lot, a long time, like many hours, and also experiences together to create that bond with true social connections. It's not that easy to find, isn't it? Is it just sort of there? There has to there be a sort of that like-minded um, space that you connect on. Yeah, and that can be serendipitous or by design, by showing up at the same place, whether it's a favourite cafe where you kind of know that you're always going to have a great conversation with people there and then, you know, some of those conversations then turn to deeper conversations and then friendships and then joint experiences that you go through. Um, But that, that takes time to really build up that trust and connection. And I can imagine, you know, for anyone sort of transitioning career, you're losing your work family. Um, you know, often I I know I've, I've you know we do sort of retirement planning, and one of the fallouts for to, you know from retirement is divorce. So you know, if women are going through divorce, then they're losing a lot of what was a stable social connections through that. And then if they're taking on, you know, new um, activities or they're going through the menopause, then you're seeking other people going through that phase so that you can find that connection and support. That completely makes sense. And so that was three. What are the other two? Then there's vitality. So physical, mental, spiritual, and even intellectual vitality. Um, So I guess that's an area that most people are quite well informed on and, you know, there's so much information out there that um, I tend to not focus on that bit because I think if you're really clear about the first two around what gives you that sense of purpose and those connections that you're seeking if you don't already have them in your life, you can blend that in with the other vitality aspects because you can so it's not like you have to just choose one thing you can actually blend some of these together to make it work for you in terms of what works for you Mm -hmm. Um, and then lifelong learning like given that we are living longer and this idea that women feel that as they get older they become invisible and irrelevant and you know ageism very much comes from society as well as how you see yourself so staying on top of what's going on in the world and uh, whether it's work-related stuff or even chat GPT, you don't have to be in a technical role, but there's so much talk around it and really understand what implications does that have on me and um, my future. Yeah. Will it mean my job is going to get made redundant as a result of the evolution of tech or can I use this to make my life different and better how can I make it serve me and you know now is the time while everyone's still learning to really connect with that 
and, you know, and not necessarily be fearful of where, because it is within our control if we understand it. So it's, you know, just really continue to grow and get old, but still have that zest and quest for new knowledge and being curious about things. And um, it doesn't always have to be job related or to get, you know, change career. It can be part of that, but it also opens up whole new worlds and new connections and bring it back to the other ingredients that it can actually enable you to find new people to meet if you sign up to a class or activity and um, meet people who are also maybe intellectually curious or wanting to explore their creativity or, yeah. or sporting interests. Yeah. So let's look at the social connections because, you know, I know just through the work the tree does that a lot of life transitions do come with a, aside I guess of with a mental well-being focus you know whether it's menopause whether it's transitioning jobs or losing jobs and then trying to re-establish a career or pivot your career or divorce your children leaving home I mean these are as you say big midlife or big transitions that happen to us in this sort of phase of life um how does social connections you've spoken a bit about it how how does that really impact the well-being of an individual and help them have that meaningful life and how how do people you know sort of put themselves out there to find those other connections that that would help them um so i guess leading with the evidence around the importance of social connections and the well-being aspect um there's a Harvard adult study that is the longest longevity study in the world that has shown how um, the quality of the social connections can really impact um, your well-being. And um, so I guess the second part of your question around, well, how do you find those? And this is where it kind of links back into the whole concept of full-time living of being curious and open and it does take a degree of vulnerability to put yourself out there in order to connect with new people and, you know, admit that you may not necessarily know something and having that novice mind of stepping into a space and saying, look, I have no idea about X, Y, Z, but I'm here to learn yeah. and and going on that journey with other people who are also curious on that about that topic or that um, activity um, you know, if you're learning a new skill that is experiential or, or sporty related. And um, so it doesn't have to be formal study either. So it doesn't have to be doing a course. It could be even just listening to a podcast about a topic that, um, you know, you uh, had no knowledge around it didn't exist when you are at uni and is totally irrelevant and separate from your work. But, um, you know, having those things to talk about. So I think it's also important to be across a range of different topics that you're comfortable to talk about because then it can open up a new conversation with new people. So when you are in those networking opportunities, like um, at an event, instead of talking about what you currently do today, it's almost having a conversation about, 
what you would aspire to do more of in the future because then that that conversation you never know where that might lead to of that person then kind of opening up an intro for you or telling you about a course that would really help you and kind of guide you down a whole new path um so yeah it just I feel like social connections is a connector to your future self yeah that's cool and helps to soften I guess the blow in terms of like the mental challenges and that you might be feeling around the the transition if you're surrounded by other people that are going through the same thing you don't feel so isolated and then because I always talk about you don't know what you don't know but if you're if you're able to surround yourself by people that actually are ahead of you or behind you on this you know whatever phase that you're in then you've got that support network that can actually help point you in the right right direction because I always think well I don't know what I'm googling to figure this out because I actually don't necessarily know that I've got a problem or I don't know what I need to Google to figure this out. So, you know, it's mm. like having the people or the support networks, I can see are really important. And I'd say the extra layer to that would be intergenerational networks because if you've got people who are very happy to be vulnerable and open up and share their personal experiences about things that you've yet to experience or might well be ahead of you but you don't know um that's incredibly powerful and that very much took me on this journey for my business full-time lives in hearing the stories that I I guess I learned so much from people who I interviewed who were my parents age because that's all how it started I was trying to find a new way of redefining retirement as my parents are transitioning to retirement so was talking to people I really looked up to who were close to my parents age and finding out well what enabled them to lead that really rich meaningful sort of redefined version of retirement where they're doing all kinds of projects and continually learning um if it hadn't been for the fact that I just kept on talking to these interesting people and you know writing copious notes and and then they introduced me to more and more people and it ended up turning into hundreds of people I inter- interview and I just kept on hearing the same themes of um the people who did it well had started doing it in their 40s and 50s if not earlier wow. they really had really honed that habit of transition and knowing if they move places, the first thing to do is go and find your tribe, go and find new networks, build in activities where you get to know people because it's that frequency. You you know, I think the average is at least 200 hours before you have a really true friendship. Oh, so that's a lot of hours. Black women often don't necessarily prioritise and, you know, don't necessarily think that's important at this stage in life. Yeah. Uh, but those women who've been doing it for a very long time, even prior to midlife transition, and so by the time they get to that transition to retirement phase, um, there's really no new work to be done. It's more like they've got so many different networks to lean in and tap into and share knowledge with, and it's circular as well. It's not just learning from others. It's also sharing your own experiences and hearing the questions from younger women or younger people who have a lot to benefit from you, and then you 
can see the value of what you've got to offer broader society or the workplace. So it's almost like laying the foundations now, knowing that actually, we, although we are in a transition in this midlife, actually there's still a massive, another massive transition to come in the next phase as well. So if we can lay, spend some time laying the foundations around social connection now, that will stand us in good stead for the long term. Absolutely. Because that time. If you think about all those new walking buddies that you, you know, many women have developed over the last few years during the pandemic, you know, that was so good for people's well-being because it's not just about having an accountability buddy to exercise with, but also someone to download all the stresses that we've had over the last few years. Yeah. And, you know, it's truly bonding when you get to, you know, do those activities and moving at the same time as talking and it's so therapeutic. So um, kind of having those sorts of things that are baked into your everyday lifestyle and um, the accountability that you have back because then you can be totally honest with someone to say, look, I really need to have someone to make sure that I am doing what I say I know is important for my future self. Yeah. whether it's exercise or learning projects or, um, you know, any other projects that are important to you, um, you know, just sometimes it helps to have a group or a person who you really will put your hand on your heart to, you know, promise them that you'll do it for yourself. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. And so, you know, book clubs, joining gyms, walking clubs, swim clubs, um local cafes social events or, or even sort of trying new events like I don't know sound healing you know you mentioned that spiritual side to the transition um so really just identifying different places where you may you know find an extended tribe that could then begin laying the foundations of those 200 hours upwards now that will lead you in for the next 10 or 20 years yeah the last chapter of my book is all about experimenting with a full-time life so all of what you just said sounds really daunting and oh my goodness where am I going to find time to do that to add to my to-do list but um, the thing is that if it doesn't work for you like if you just sign up to something that's small and you give it a go and it really doesn't work, that's okay. At least you know that you tried it and then you might tweak and go, well, what was it that about that particular group or activity that didn't suit me? Was it the time of day or the frequency? Um, you know, did it make me feel overly vulnerable and that I wasn't ready for that at this phase of my life? You know, just really trying to be playful and experimental about it and not feel like oh that was a failure I thought my whole life would be you know improved as a result of signing up for it and wasn't how I expected it to be Um, that's all part of it too Um, yeah being too hard on ourselves and just trying and putting putting yourself out there Mm. I can see how this um having done a few podcasts around the retirement transition which you would know um you know, having a full network and additional activities. So that full life going into retirement, because it's such a huge shock, particularly for men, 
but such a huge such a huge transition to have you know sort of full working life to then nothing so if women are able to put the foundations around the other activities whether it's voluntary or you know physical mental emotional spiritual um find those other social connections it will really when you you know you or collectively as a family are transitioning into that that next bigger bigger phase then you've really got some strong foundations exactly socially and people but your personal interests have already been established yeah and usually at that transition to retirement phase if not earlier there's already some planning around downsizing and where you're going to live yeah so those big questions if you've got a financial advisor, they're already asking those big questions. And so very often advisors tell me that they find that clients will just kind of give them a whole bunch of random answers just because they're on the spot. But then later on they have to change the wealth strategy because it wasn't actually really what they envisaged it would be like. It sounded good on paper, but they hadn't tried it at that point. Yeah. So by experimenting and really, you know, like if it means if you've got the opportunity to go and take a career sabbatical and, you know, at that phase kind of almost experiment and like mimic the type of life that you think you want to lead transitioning into retirement uh, just to see is this exact, exactly what I thought it was because um, I often hear the stories of people who did move do the sea or the tree change and realize the community wasn't exactly how they thought it would be, that it wasn't enough to just have the beautiful surroundings and more time and the slower pace of life. The community just didn't either accept them or they didn't feel like it was the type of people they wanted to spend more time with than if they were just passing through as a whole, you know, on holidays. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now you've mentioned the blue zones. Um, I'd love to delve into that just for any listeners that aren't sort of familiar with it, because really, as we transition through this midlife and onwards, one of the real fundamentals that I think as when you're a bit younger, you take for granted would be your health. And I know the Blue Zone is very connected to having that really healthy way of living. Um, not that we want to add on another thing that we need to all think about. But, um, you know, I always think, you know, and one thing I think from the last few years that's really become prevalent is without health, we don't actually have anything. You know, we need health to have a really fulfilling, meaningful life. Um, So what can you sort of give us a little bit of an overview around and, you know, what do they do to really create that meaning, meaningful and purposeful life? Mm. So the Blue Zones were, uh, I guess, defined by Dan Butner and a whole team of people with all kinds of disciplines and um, they found that at the time a couple of decades ago there were five distinct communities around the world where they had nine common factors and some of them were the obvious well-being factors that we know of like the diet and not being sedentary and having lots of incidental movement throughout your day. So are you being able to walk everywhere within um, your community? And uh, look, there's some discussion around um, alcohol, like how much, whether it's a daily social 
glass of wine at the end of the day or nothing at all. Um, spirituality exists in every single one of the blue zones. Sense of purpose as well. So coming back to purpose, the first ingredient we talked about, and um, also the connection, the community, yeah. all of that is so important. And when I went on the ground to visit Okinawa in Japan and Loma Linda in the US, which are two of the five original blue zones, what I found was the attitude of people. They were just so open and curious no matter what age. And um, that, for me, was really the thing that stood out, that maybe it's not so obvious in all the books because there's a lot of emphasis around the recipes and, um, you know, those books on the Blue Zones have become really popular, particularly for the recipes. But I think the interesting bit is that, um, yeah, like how you look on life and how you look at ageing and people who are older than you, how you interact with them plays a really incredibly important role in your well-being um, and because that's eventually going to be your future self, no matter what you're doing work-wise and what your identity is in terms of what job you do, we all know that changes. Like increasingly we're all switching careers multiple times over this long health span. So um, so I just find that that piece around how we see ourselves and others and how we engage with other people and life uh, that is really the key to full-time living yeah it sort of sounds to me around you know that you're talking around from the spiritual point of view that ability to be present and live in the moment and for the now I mean we are talking about putting lots of foundations in that will stand us in good said for the long term um but I guess you don't want to forget that actually what we all we have is this moment now you know mm-hmm. and we have to make sure that there is joy it, you know in the day-to-day um yeah. And, you know, being aware of the things that we can pull in or the levers that we can pull to start laying the foundations so that, you know, as we move each day and each moment that is now, as it comes, you know, we, you know, the past is past and, and you know, the future is going to come no matter what. But the only thing that we have control over is this very moment. Mm. Um, so it's, it kind of feels like what you're talking about in that, that, that concept of, just being so open and joyful is really talking to me around that that ability to be present in the moment. And when I look at the lifestyle, it is really simple in those blue zones that I've been to. It's not overly stressed and, you know, you know it's not like they've got really dense calendars. Um yeah, part of being present is also not overcommitting and, you know, worrying too much about all the other things that really in the scheme of life and, you know, people look back at a long, healthy life and are at the end of life, they are still really fulfilled even though they might have led a really simple life. Um, you know, that was my observation in talking to older people in these places like in Okinawa, the it's not unusual for someone to live beyond 110. So the life expectancy in Japan is already really high in the world, but Mm -hmm. Okinawa in particular 
it's higher than the national average in Japan. And same with Loma Linda, which is a seven-day Adventist mm -hmm. town in the US, just an hour away from LA. Wow, that's phenomenal. I wonder how much the you know the the nutrition and you know that the movement that active lifestyle plays into that and if there is the sort of that limitation of alcohol and the real more openness around sort of spirituality it'd be really fascinating to to delve into I mean clearly that has a massive impact on um life on longevity um and happiness and meaning Probably what we haven't talked about is the individual versus the collective. So we've talked about community, but attitudinally, I think in those places, there is very much the focus on the community above above yourself. So that's probably another observation. Um, if you kind of look at some of the things that do stress us out and feeling alone, um, you know, there's a lot of research around how loneliness does affect people's you know, long-term well-being, particularly later in life. So, so I guess in places where everyone's respected, no matter no matter what season of our lives, yeah, it's how people see us as we age, and knowing there's still a place for us, and that spirituality of there's something bigger that we belong to. So, the Okinawans really believe the gods are embedded in nature. So there's that inherent respect for nature and everything's tied in with the seasons and, you know, what you eat and how you behave is seasonal and really going with the flow of the things that we can't control that are very much around the bigger world around us and the climate and environment. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's quite a meditative approach to look at life. Yeah. Kind of accepting that things will come and go. You know, it's quite natural for things to die yeah. and replenish. And that's like many things that come and go in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fascinating adjustment of how to look at life, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I very much believe that there is something greater than us and we are all connected through energy you know I believe everything is energy around us and we are all all connected in that way um fascinating topic Nat. It's yeah and that's why I love the work that I do because I'm personally learning a lot but then I'm able to share a lot of my knowledge and insights to the work that I do whether it's through a workshop and stimulating people to think about these big questions and taking stock even if it's for a couple of hours if I was able to get people to really think deeply about what do they want and what's their vision, where do they want to go and have they put anything into those bigger life plans and how they belong and fit into the world, um, if they've thought about it early enough, I feel like then I'm really, that gives me a sense of purpose. And so, and working with corporates who really value that this is a phase in life when there's all kinds of changes happening anyway, that we can't always control, but then serving people to alleviate some of those pain points and the challenges to like make life better and then set those women up for a really rich quality 
second half of their lives, whatever that might look like for each woman. Yeah. That's so fulfilling and, um, you know, that's what gets me out of bed every day. Yeah. Well, it makes complete sense because for workplaces to get involved because thriving people create thriving workplaces, right? So that absolutely makes sense. And giving people the opportunity to stop and take stock um, when they come into this phase, you know, often they have had families and they've been on the treadmill of kids and schools and part-time work or school time hours or jetting their career back on track and blah, blah, blah. There is just this sense of being on the treadmill. So uh, giving people the, the permission to stop, yeah, just think, where am I going? This is, you know, I'm coming into my time. Um, what does this, what does this look like? Not, let's not be afraid that it's going to, you know, everything around me is going to break and crumble, but Mm. you know, what, what does this look like and what, what little bits can I do consistently to start building that fulfill, you know, fulfillment and meaning longer term. Um, And the book that Linda Grashan and Andrew Scott wrote about five or six years ago, The Hundred Year Life, it looks at the individual experience of living a longer life and also for organisational business leaders to really redesign what does the employee experience look like now that people's careers are a lot longer and we're constantly having to I guess, ensure that we sustain our well-being and our ability to keep working, whether it's for economic reasons or that social connection and, you know, working using our strengths to contribute in some way. Um, one concept that they talk about in this 100-year life is the multi-stage life. So really breaking down the concept of work, retire- sorry, study, work, retirement, instead of having those distinct phases of life, but actually cycling through it multiple times over the lifespan of 100 years. So that pause bit, that kind of rest and restore, going on career sabbaticals, using that time to rest and really reflect on, well, am I going to continue what I've been doing up until now or do I want to redesign it? and adapt it to whatever other changing circumstances that are happening in my life or the world around or both and then being ready for it so that's the opportunity to potentially reskill for that next chapter so um, I think millennials are really good at doing that to just um, not just having that you know that gap year straight after school it's actually doing a gap year every few years or so between really deep you know work periods and then kind of then having a break to really reset and think actually do I want to go back to that employer or go and try something totally new in a whole different industry or go back and study yeah well that's interesting because I read something yesterday that um we would all either be made redundant or change jobs or lose our jobs seven times in our career so we naturally have cycles right it's it's there are natural cycles to everything and I guess it's being able to take control and see that the positive in that um as those cycles come into our life and we transition and really taking the presence and the pause to 
re-establish well where am I and you know our lives do change and transition constantly every day so being able to sort of go well where am I in my phase and my cycle now of life and what do I want you know what's happening where's the family where's the partner where you know what's is it, what's going on what are the other facets of my life and what you know how can I add to that and you know do I want to keep on this same path or do I want to mm. and all of that is okay mm. and that actually requires making space yeah which we so yeah because we think I don't have time for that right now like I'm at the busiest period of my life and there's all this stuff that's going on I can't afford to pause and that's this is the cycle often women at this phase in life end up of kind of constantly chasing our tails in a not very fulfilling lifestyle that has kind of evolved because it was either convenient or it suited us for other people's needs because you know we were caring for others but maybe it's also you know just investing in creating that space to be able to distant have some distance yeah be able to step back and think change because staying on the same path is also the path of least resistance Uh, you know but making having the courage to make big sweeping changes comes with a level of fear fear of failure fear of what if I make the wrong decision what you know what about the impact on everyone else in my life it's it is such a complex space isn't it yeah and and it's easier said than done Um, so I realize I sound very preachy I totally acknowledge that it's really hard yeah but it starts with having awareness that there are that this is where I'm heading a little bit like when you're saying you know when you've did all of those interviews with people at retirement age you know what 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 do you need to do to get happy at that you know to lay the foundations to be there in the right place at that time um at least through having these conversations we're aware that actually I'm at a pivotal point in my life or a period of transition and I have choices that I, and it's okay to give yourself permission to make changes and be courageous and try new things and adjust if it doesn't work. And all of that is okay. Yeah. Um, I wrote the book for women going through midlife change, but um, my books ended up in the hands of younger women as well. And when I've had the opportunity to ask much younger women in their twenties and thirties, what did you, did you get anything out of it? And um, yeah, I often get surprised that they say, "Yeah, this is good for me to know." Um, I wouldn't have thought of all this stuff. But I'm already doing some of this, but it's good to know that this is good for me for my long term, my future self. Uh, you know, as you say, having that awareness early is really good, and um, and also. You know, if they've got people in their lives, whether it's their mums or or friends, kind of being able to give them that support and direction is really important. Yeah. Now, I love that. This is something that your future self will thank you for. And I think that is, that's just perfect. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I hope many women find this, you know, truly useful and you know have the courage and awareness to start thinking you know what do I need to do do I need to make any changes and and how can I take those little steps towards maybe nudging things differently to end up and that's the key the little nudges don't 
wait until you've got time or, you know, when it's the right time. It's actually starting today. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed this chat, Rebecca. Me too. Thanks, Nance. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how Trio can support your people, visit trio.com. 